When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, Dodger fans? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We are presented by Fansided. Not a whole lot of regular season episodes left because we have about 17 games left on the Dodgers schedule. And no point even talking about the NOS standings. The Dodgers are about two games away from clinching that baby. They'll have won the one... They'll have won the NOS, I think, 10 out of 11 years. That's pretty amazing in its own right. But NOS titles, they're cute and all, but we want some more World Series titles. That's where, you know, in my opinion, it really matters. I'm joined tonight by Chris Camello. The Los Angeles Dodgers are 88 and 57. Chris Camello is back on. He's been with me throughout the season. Chris, it's been a while. How you doing? Doing all right, man. Uh, you know, I, I got this pain, though, but it hurts so good. So it can't be too bad, right? <laughs> and you know what I'm referring to on that. Don't leave me hanging on that one. Uh, don't leave me hanging on that one, Kev. No, but it's it's honestly, it's good, it's good to be back, man. Good to see the Dodgers close in on another NL West title. And by the way, Tom Glavin would disagree with your assessment of uh, division titles. Tom Glavin. What? He's a one-time World Series champion as well? well <laughs> no, but he said, I would rather... I. I think he said it's tougher to win division titles than it is to for back-to-back World Series. He recently made a back comment. Back then, though, there was more merit because they only had four teams, maybe even three or two, depending on when that Braves um, title or division title run started. Now we got six teams making it. So we're in a different yeah. animal now. True. Winning True. the division yeah. has lost a lot of stock. But if you're into <laughs> that, you know, I'm not going to take away any glory. It's a, it's something you don't want to take for granted to make the playoffs, uh, but now it's a crapshoot. So we're going to talk some playoffs. We're going to talk some Dodgers pitchers. You can follow Chris on X, or if you still call it Twitter because you live in the Stone Age, um, at Chris underscore Camello. Uh, we're going to talk some pitching. So, you know, Chris just wrote a great article that I advise you all to check out. You can find it at Substack. And if you go to his social medias, like I just mentioned, either on X or Instagram as well. You could find him there where he's posted the link. The title of it is, you know, in my opinion, straight to the point, the Los Angeles Dodgers 
will rely on pitching depth. So Chris, yep. as the author, why don't I give you the floor to, you know, give us more context of what you're talking about here. Well, here's the thing. I know everyone's been panicking uh, about the Dodgers pitching staff. Uh, this last month, they were dealt nothing but bad news from the loss of Tony Gonsolin of uh, torn UCL, which by the way, shout out to Gonsolin for pitching through it for, for the majority of the year uh, to the recent uh, situation uh, with Julio Diaz. And not only is his time with the Dodgers done for this year, but his time in the MLB might also be done as well. Time will tell on that. And then of course you got the news that Walker Bueller was not going to come back, which is probably the right decision, Kev, considering this is his second Tommy John in his career coming back in 13 months and basically having to hit the ground running. I never thought it was a great idea unless of course you were just going to come in as a straight reliever. And that's not really how this guy is built. He's built himself up as a starter. So my thing is, do you have enough here to catch lightning in a bottle and win 11 games in order to get to a world, uh, a world series championship? And the answer is yes, because I could list examples of teams that did not have great pitching staffs going into it. And all of a sudden, whether it be bullpen or starting pitching, and yet somehow these teams found a way. And this year for the Dodgers, they are not the heavy favorite like they were the last few years. So yes, there are concerns there. We don't know what to expect from Clayton Kershaw on that shoulder. Bobby Miller's never been in the situation before. We just saw Ryan Pepio get tagged tonight by a team that's probably not going to make the playoffs, but has a, the type of lineups that you're going to see in the playoffs, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then of course... You've got Lance Lynn, who's going to make everyone bite their fingernails, and you just don't have a lot of trust. But as we know, Kev, when October comes around, click, everything is 0-0 again. And that could be such a mental reset. And it doesn't matter. I mean, I hate to trivialize the regular season like this. It doesn't matter what you did in the last six months. All that happens is, can we get something together now? And that's what I'm saying, that the Dodgers have enough bullpen depth they have enough guys that can give you bulk innings in Emmett Sheehan and Ryan Yarbrough. And I think you have enough in the rotation where these guys are going to embrace the moment. They can get hot and they're going to be fearless and they're going to go out there and give you their best shot. Not to mention you have an offense. Don't use tonight as an example, uh, or I should say Wednesday night as an example in the loss of the Padres that can give you runs and give you run support. So if you can get five to six innings out of these guys with four runs or less, you're going to give yourself a chance to, to win these games. So that's what I'm saying. Let's not panic. This is the type of year that the Dodgers could surprise more people than not. I agree. There's been teams in the past, like you mentioned, you know, the 2006 Cardinals are a great example. 2011 Cardinals too. They just basically had Chris Carpenter. 2011 Cardinals, pretty much all the Giants teams just relied on Madison Bumgarner and then the corpse corpses of Jake Peavy and Tim Hudson, especially in 2014. Exactly. But this isn't spring training at this point. This is fall training. And to kind of tie into your article, let's break down these pitchers. We've got six games that just went down since the last time we've recorded. Dodgers won the series against the Nationals. They lost the series against the Padres. Uh, yeah, like Chris said, Padres aren't going to make the playoffs, but they are facing a playoff caliber lineup just based off the talent that's been assembled and they, they killed us. Juan Soto had a great series. He had a couple home runs, Manny Machado. He took Gavin stone deep twice. Uh, Xander Bogarts took Evan Phillips deep and Fernando Tatis jr. He went deep as well. 
Uh, but yeah, we can start with this most recent game. Blake Snell absolutely dominated the Dodgers. I mean, they faced him like a hundred times now, and they seem to have found no answer against Blake Snell. This might have been the last time Blake Snell faced the Dodgers as well in a Padres uniform. We'll talk more about Blake Snell's free agency in just a couple minutes, but the Dodgers had no answer for him. I believe Blake Snell finished with six innings thrown, a shutout, one hit given up, eight strikeouts. The Dodgers hitters were well off balance all night. And for the Dodgers, this was the first game where Ryan Pepio showed that he is a little bit human, but I'm not discouraged to be honest, because even though it was Luis Camposano who took Pepio deep for that three run home run with Tatis and Soto at the corners, Pepio made just a couple bad pitches, and of course those bad pitches led to the runs. But overall, I was still encouraged, and this is where we can still have a legitimate conversation. This is why I call it fall training, because the Dodgers have a decision to make whether it's going to be Lance Lynn, who did pitch in that second game, and you know, he gave them seven strong innings, or Ryan Pepio for that game three. Yeah, yeah, and I think Lynn, given his experience, if he's not walking guys and he's keeping the ball in the yard and the only runs he is giving up is, is solo home runs, you could live with that. He's also got the experience factor. He won a World Series in 2011. He's been there with the Cardinals for a number of years, even the last couple of years in Chicago. I think they made the playoffs in 2021. So he's got the experience aspect. Pepio is coming into a situation where this was, I want to say, his first, fourth or fifth outing since coming off the injury so uh you know i mean he there are some chinks in the armor but you also know he's really good he like you said tonight kev he he made a couple of bad pitches on 0-2 counts pitches he would have liked to have bad but then again how many games are you going to win when your offense gives you one hit i mean that, that that's really what it is so i'm i'm okay with either one in a game three scenario to be quite honest with you because more than likely that game is going to be on the road you go with lynn the veteran, or do you go with Pepio who may not feel as affected on the road? I mean, or he could, it, it really kind of depends. I've always been a fan of staggering your starters a little bit. Don't do your top two starters unless of course it's on the road, put who's better on the road and who's better at home. That's, that's how I would stagger it. But if game three is on the road and let's say you're facing Milwaukee, for example, or one of those teams, I would probably consider Lance Lynn. That's just me, though, and have Pepio pitch at Dodger Stadium with the home crowd support behind him. Yeah, if it's Milwaukee, we saw what Lance Lynn could do against the Brewers not too long ago. And then I remember before the game even started, they showed a stat that Lynn has always had their number. So if that's the matchup, I am perfectly comfortable with Lance Lynn going against the Brewers in a game three or game two scenario, depending on how things shake out. Um, but I mean... I'm thinking about I'm thinking back to Tuesday's game. And even though Lancelin gave them seven innings, only allowed a couple runs, including another home run, the Padres kind of bailed him out. And what I'm talking about was when they had the bases loaded, nobody out. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say it was Trent Grissom's decision to lay down a bunt. Yeah. Even Dave <laughs> Roberts called that play out after the game and essentially said it was idiotic. I mean, that is just some losing baseball right there. And maybe that's why the Padres are in the position where they are, because they're not thinking with their heads. They got one run, but I mean, do you really want to trade one run for three outs? I don't think so. 
Yeah, exactly. And that really, that was the only jam, the, the only serious jam he was in throughout that night. Uh, he got he got out of another one back in the first inning, but th- that start against the Padres was a lot more in line with what he had been doing with the Dodgers. Yes, the Braves start was bad. Yes, the Marlins start was even worse. And even the Boston start was not great, but I'll kind of put that more on Dave Roberts. I, I didn't, you know, I, I would have taken him out after that fifth or sixth inning. I, I think they tried to trot him out there in the seventh and uh, he gave, he put a couple runners on that eventually came, came in. That was um, about three weeks ago, that, that, that start in Boston. And uh, the, the other thing about Lynn that's a little disconcerting is the lack of strikeouts lately. The yeah. walks have gone up and the strikeouts have gone down. And I think that's, that's a serious issue as well, because as you know, Kev, when you're pitching more to contact, guess what? More chances for errors, more chances for, you know, even soft contact balls to fly in or fall in. And then you combine that with the walks and the fact you're home run prone, that's a recipe for disaster. So that's the one area I'd like to see Lynn kind of get back into when he first got with the Dodgers, where there was not hardly any walks, a lot of strikeouts. And, you know, even when he was giving up home runs, they were solo shots. I can live with the solo shots. You you cannot give up grand slams though in the second inning to guys like, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr., you know? Yeah, contact pitchers scare me, especially when you have Max Muncy who bobbles everything at third base. He's been in a slump. There's no doubt about it. Even Roberts called him out about that. So we got to see Max Muncy tightening up there at the corner because Definitely. he's our he's really our only third base option. You can't bench him. You can't put him at DH because J.D. Martinez JD. is phenomenal, and mm-hmm. he's been great since coming back the injury list. So that's going to be one area that you know I got to see Max Muncy clean up. But uh, back to this Padres series, because I do think there was – Two players where a lot of important intel was revealed. I'll start with the bad and then go with the good. This is the first player I'm riding off from having any likelihood of appearing in the postseason besides the obvious injured candidates. But the first healthy scratch, it's got to be Gavin Stone. Unfortunately, this is this was like his fifth or sixth opportunity. And outside of one appearance, against the Red Sox where he actually looked pretty good up until the very end where I think Roberts may have left him out a little bit too long and hung him out to dry. This start against the Padres was kind of the nail in the coffin. You know, he has really good stuff. I remember in the first inning, he was able to get a couple guys. I think it was Machado and Tatis striking out, swinging on the changeup, but then they made adjustments. Also Stone was starting to fall behind in the count and he was leaving the fastball, which just never seemed to be a put away pitch. Um, in the first game of the series against the Padres. The Padres just sat on that fastball, sat on that cutter. Manny Machado took him deep twice. He get, ended up giving up, I believe, six runs. And it was another rough outing for poor Gavin Stone, who I'm not writing off his career. Some people are going to say he's a bust. I'm not going to those lengths. I'm just limiting it to this season. I think it's safe to say Gavin Stone has failed the audition. Oh, 100%. Uh, this was a guy that a lot of people, along with Miller, thought that w- they were going to have, uh, a, you know, just come in and hit the ground running. Doesn't always work that way. They see, that's what we have to, you know, sometimes it works out that way for guys like Corey Seager and Cody Bellinger and Walker Bueller in years past, or even Julio Rios was, was really good back in 2016 when he really got his first shot with the Dodgers in a full season. Uh, but it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes guys need more time. That's what it is. And even when they do get called up, they're never going to be that ace of aces. They'll be a, a decent number three. Uh, and then there are some guys who you don't have any expectations of, like our Tony Gonsolin or Emmett Sheehan, that end up being like, okay, 
these guys are serviceable. These guys can, can pitch. So I just think we have to temper those expectations. But yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. Listen, that spot should have gone to Clayton Kershaw. They decided to push Kershaw back to the weekend, get him ready for Seattle. Because at this point, like you said, Kev, your magic number is what? Three at this point with the loss that Arizona had today? So there isn't the urgency right now. I, I mean, I know everyone's like, oh man, they've lost three out of their last four series. Oh man, they lost two out of three. I'm not panicking right now. You just need guys that can eat up innings and then if they can give you a quality start, great. If not, oh well. So I never thought Gavin Stone was going to be like this big time pitcher. You know, if he could have been great, but I'm certainly not going to judge him on the other night. A lot of that too was Roberts. You're throwing him out there for the sixth inning. And it was obvious, oh, this guy's been touched up a little bit. Maybe I should, you know, go, go with another reliever to give us two innings. And that just didn't happen. So, yeah, I agree with you. Gavin Stone definitely should be a healthy scratch from the playoff roster. Yeah. The positive, though, and I think you were kind of hinting at him at the very start. Kyle Hurt, the mm. Hurt Locker. Yeah. What an impression. Made his Major League debut Tuesday evening, went two innings struck out three and i mean this guy is just a war machine strikeout monster in mm. the minors he had 145 strikeouts over just 88 innings thrown i mean you do the math there that's nearly a strikeout and a half per inning so i don't know why the dodgers this is where i'm a little upset set him down the next day for joe kelly which you know you want joe kelly back but sure. we just talked about healthy scratch Gavin Stone, who's still yeah. on the major league roster. That's a major head scratcher to me. And I don't really understand. And maybe Chris, you could have a better explanation. I don't understand how they're already writing him off from October contention already. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting thing because, you know, come, I mean, come on, baby, make it hurt so good. I, I, th I think, I mean, John Cougar Mellencamp, the last name says it all right there. Not to mention, you know, this guy flew in, he didn't get to Dodger Stadium. He flew in that afternoon, didn't get to Dodger Stadium at 645, didn't need a whole lot of warming up. He literally got off the plane, got his glove, did a couple stretches and went out and busted a missile uh, at the Padres, man. You know, retired the heart of the order on what, nine pitches, then came back in the nine struck out the side in order he was fantastic and you know what i liked about him kev he comes off the mound after he gets the final out and and he points to will smith he's like let's go baby like he has that kind of you know mentality and i was almost thinking to myself you know 2002 angels when they called up k-rod late in the season they had a good bullpen already like the dodgers do now guys like donnelly and Showen weiss and weber and of course trey percival and here's k-rod now who just allowed you to shorten up the game and added to that arsenal of arms that Mike Sosha and Bud Black had. So I was thinking, I was just like, no one's got a scouting report on this kid. He can come in and, you know, just bust you up. And not to say that it, it shouldn't come down between him and Joe Kelly. You're right. He should have gone in there for Gavin Stone. I think the reason why Stone is still up, this is just my opinion, is because they do, they're not sure about Kershaw. Yarbrough's just coming off paternity leave. So I think it's like, we want to have that spot starter in case we need one this weekend up in Seattle. But I don't think this will be, uh, the roster's expanded 28, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Okay, so uh, I would like to see him called up, but who knows? This could be a little bit of games and shit from the Dodgers here. Maybe we'll see him one more time before the season is up. We don't know what the status is of Yancy Almonte either. So I just think this was more of a precautionary move Let's send him down. Let's get him another outing. Maybe we can get him back up after the division and he could do, like you said, 
the fall training, which I like. It's, this is like a, an audition right now for who wants to make this team uh, the 25-man roster in October, but definitely impressive what we saw in those two innings. Yeah, hopefully you're right, because I hope this isn't Roberts or the front office giving seniority priority to all the veterans and trying to appease the clubhouse saying, here's some new rookie. You know, he he just came up. We're going to give him an October spot and then ruffle some feathers. I really hope that's not what what's going on here. I, you know, I just I can't really fathom. I can't wrap my head around why they don't have more faith in this guy. And this is where I'm kind of freaking pissed off because they did this same bullshit with James Outman last season. There was absolutely no reason for James Outman to not have more major league at bats. Um, the end result anyways, couldn't have gone worse because you had guys like Trace Thompson in the lineup who really faded in the second half and was a no show in October. And so I want to see another Adam Wainwright. I want to see another David Price. I want to see another K rod. I want to see some rookie emerge, make a name for himself in October because these narratives work. There's no such thing as experience over talent. In my opinion, you want to have a little combination of both, but sometimes talent wins out. What's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat, picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket, outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Absolutely. And another two names. Go back to the 06 Tigers. Joel Zamaya and Fernando Rodney. Young Fernando Rodney. When when, when everybody was looking at him, I was like, is his hat crooked? And is that on accident? No, that's on purpose. And he made a, you know, he was 40 years old out there pitching for the Angels and he still had the hat crooked. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think he could fall in line with those guys, which is why I, I wrote at the end of my article, you can't script October because we could both list teams that nobody had any idea if they would come in and actually run the table. Go back to the 2019 Nationals. What was the, what was the, the defect of them? Great starting pitching, but what? A bad bullpen. Well, what happened to their bullpen? They found their stuff in the in the playoffs. Specifically, Daniel Hudson, now current Dodger, came in, became their closer, and then they also had a guy like Tanner Rainey who caught light, you know, lightning in a bottle. And then, of course, some good moves from from Davey Martinez. He kind of whoever the fourth starter was, he had them as a bulk reliever. So that that was another you know solid strategy as well. But I agree. I think Hurt should be 
in that mix and at least challenging a guy like Joe Kelly and putting a little bit more like, oh, shoot, this guy, this guy's coming for my job. Because I think we could agree, Kev, as far as the right-handers go, the core four, Phillips, Gratterall, Brazier, Shelby Miller. I think those four have shown you enough where as far as the righties go, they'll be in there. Then of the lefties, I think Vessia, Ferguson, right? Yeah. I don't think Victor Gonzalez factors in. But then those last couple spots, you go Emmett Sheehan for the bulk starter kind of thing. You know, you do the opener and he gives you three, four innings or maybe a, a pitcher for you in the extras. Or do you go with somebody like Hurt who can get you two innings, but is a power arm that could handle a one-run lead type situation. So it's an yeah. interesting scenario. I figure Yarbrough will be in the mix oh, as yeah. well. No doubt. No, no. He'll be yeah. like the he'll be like the the number seven role in 2020 where he might be able to give you a start and then a few days later come out and close out a game depending on just you know how the situation plays out. Because like you said, let's not script it because I feel like in the, the last couple of years now the Dodgers have tried to script out how they're gonna roll this game out and it backfires tremendously, especially when you have a gun to your head and you're like I'm not pitching Evan Phillips till the ninth, no matter what. That just absolutely always, always play out. Uh, but you mentioned Evan Sheehan, who I'm glad you brought up because he's another guy who's auditioning right now. And in his most recent test against a bad, but you know, up and coming Nationals team, they're kind of along the same age group as him because they're all rookies. Didn't come, didn't play too well. He ended up giving up five runs, I believe, over four and a third inning, six hits, four strikeouts, only one walk, which I'll take. But I mean, he's thrown 10 games this season at the major league level, has a 579 ERA. Not exactly what I was hoping to see from Sheehan after his first two starts. He looked really promising. Mm. Um, but this is another one where he's a major wild card. Not entirely sure yet if these stats and his performance will get him a postseason roster spot. He's going to get another start though. Yeah. That's why I said he's going to be in the mix, but I I'm, I'm just not a hundred percent sure. That's the thing. I, I was talking more or less right-handers. Yes, of course. I didn't mean to not put Ryan Yarborough in there, but I I'm wondering what his role is going to be. Is it going to be a late inning guy? Because you can't necessarily trust Vesia. And although Vesia has been a lot better since being called up from, from triple a over the last few months, his outings have really, really been good. We haven't seen the walks or, or the, you know, the, the hit batters or the soft contact we're seeing him really put guys away so i'm really proud to see him turn his season around and like i said we don't know about yen almonte if, if these guys are a healthy and b even if they are healthy do they have enough runway to get into a rhythm come october that's the interesting part here's the thing here's the formula four runs or less from the starting pitchers two runs or less from the relievers give yourself that six run cushion is what you're looking for but what does that mean? You're asking the play means your offense. Yes. That has got to be your formula right there. Won't work. That also the Braves. Mean, well, here's the thing with the Braves. Can I tell you something? They can get touched. They can get touched that pitching rice. Iglesias. Oh yeah. Barbecue chicken right there. AJ <laughs> mentor ain't 2021 AJ mentor. All right. Those starting pitchers strider. I don't care if he can give you 10 strikeouts. He can get tagged, and he's been a little bit more prone to that second half of the season, not just against the Dodgers. Did you see that start against St. Louis? They got to they got to that mustache early. Max Freed, tough pitcher, probably the best in that group. He could also, when he's off his game, 
he can get roughed up a little bit. Same with Charlie Morton. And I don't know who their four starters is going to be. Soroka or Elder, one no, of those Soroka's guys. out for the year. Poor guy. No, he's... Kyle, yeah. Kyle Wright is someone they're trying to work back in. Yeah, but that's almost like the same situation. I'm wondering, like, Walker Bueller, where it's like, if he comes back, is he going to come back as a starter? I think Elder is going to have to be that guy. Or, Elder, uh, in a game force, Elder in a game force situation. But my point being is, I look at that rotation. I'm more scared of the lineup. You want to make a case for the lineup, Albies, Acuna, Olsen, Riley, Eddie Rosario, take your pick. Those guys are going to, they're going to, they're going to slug. And, and that's going to be enough to get those pitchers off the hook. My point being is those pitchers can get touched. Look at last year's playoffs. Who had Phillies, Padres, the two teams that came in at the, who clinched at the last week of the season going to the NLCS? Nobody. What does that tell you? Anybody could get had, especially in a short season, a sh- short series, short series. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with your point that the Braves can get touched because I do also agree their pitching is a little bit vulnerable. But we're talking about the Los Angeles Dodgers here in October. If there's one team that's going to let you down with runners in scoring position, it's unfortunately the Dodgers historically. I thought the same thing in 2021 where I wasn't that moved by the pitching that the Braves were throwing at us, including the rotation. Cause like you just said, I felt like Freed was very touchable as well. And he imploded in that massive Chris Taylor, three home run game along with Paul, who I think had two home runs as well. That was the Freed start. So he's not exactly lights out in October, but I do fear though, if the Braves are spotted a four run lead in any scenario, that game is pretty much lights out. And so I, I think momentum is a huge part and it's going to be important for all the Dodgers starters to make sure that these games are within reach because I've seen it time after time. If the Dodgers get down too far ahead early in a big yeah. game, they quit. I, uh, yes, but not with this group. This group is a little bit grittier, a little bit tougher. They, but just look at the personnel, okay? David Peralta, Jason Hayward, Miguel Rojas, Kike, even Ahmed Rosario. These guys have been clutch. When the Dodgers have needed a clutch hit this year, they've gotten it. Even as good as they were the last couple of years, they won well over 100 games last year, 111. I want to say the year before in 21 was 106, Kev. It was 106, it was 106 right, because the Giants won 107. Even then, their offense was sort of one-dimensional a little bit. This team seems to work counts more. They seem to have a knack for coming back. There's a never say die type mentality. And here's the scary part about this Dodger lineup. They're not just top heavy like they were in years past. They actually have three or four guys in that bottom of that lineup that could scratch and claw and work their way aboard or come up with the clutch hits. And I think you're going to have a group there at the bottom of that lineup that won't fear the moment. Not to say last year's group did, but I certainly think there's a little bit more of a hunger there, a little bit more of a determination and a grit factor that's that's there with this group. That, that That's why I'm saying don't necessarily sleep on them. But you're right. If the Braves are slugging, it's going to be tough to come back, even if Schreider or Freed or any of those other guys have don't have their best stuff. So four runs or less from the starters, two runs or less from the relievers. I think if you could keep that in frame, give everyone a little bit of wiggle room and your offense doesn't fall asleep like it did on Wednesday night against the Padres, I think you're going to be all right, man. Some of these hitters that I, it's time to talk some hitters leading off is the leadoff hitter for Mookie Betts. I mean, 
What a season he's having. Easily his best in a Dodgers uniform. Every time I bring him up, he just hits a new milestone. We're talking about a guy that's hitting 312 with an on-base over 400. 39 home runs, career high. 103 RBIs, his best as a Dodger. As the leadoff hitter, 1,000 OPS. And even even more um, impressive, he leads the National League still in war. He has an eight war. Mm. eight war is absolutely insane i mean yeah given most years he uh, he would be a runaway nationaling mvp uh, yeah unfortunately you got freddie freeman right there his own teammate on his tail of course you got ronald acuna jr leading the national league in most offensive categories and you can't even really sleep on matt olson at this point and you know there's usually three finalists so uh, and you easily got four that could all be, you know, doing that video cam come November when they start announcing uh, who the, the National League MVP is going to be. Yeah, Mookie is special. M is for MVP stands for Mookie Valuable Player. I don't yes. even know what that means, but it sounds it sounds right, doesn't it, Kev? It's it does sound very right. He has been he's been better and better each year with the Dodgers, which yeah. is, you know, you take that to the bank every time. And then Freddie Freeman having a sensational season as well in terms of the doubles. He's up to 55 doubles. I believe the major league record, if I heard it right on the broadcast was 67. So Mm -hmm. he would need 13 more doubles in about 17 games left to be the all time doubles leader. Yeah. Probably out of reach, but I mean, 55 home runs, 26 home runs. He has a couple triples thrown there, thrown in there as well. So we're talking about 84, Am I doing the math right? 83 extra base hits this season. Incredible. Yeah. And I think he's one that I think I heard tonight on the broadcast, uh, one away from tying Sean Green and Cody Bellinger. So he's definitely going to break that. And, you know, Freddie is just a special player. And this is, I mean, last year was really good. Don't get me wrong. I thought he had an MVP finalist type season last year, but this year has just been on a different level. Him and Mookie at one and two have just been really blunt force trauma for the opponents they have just been stellar and you know but like i said at the same point in time it hasn't just been them you know muncie's had a decent year all things considered offensively speaking you know he's closing in on a 36 home run 37 home run 100 run batted in jd martinez amidst all the second half injuries he's still driven in almost 90 runs um you know will smith was an all-star this year he's starting to find his groove again so i mean they're they are a collective group but you're right mookie and freddie they set the tone just like Acuna and Olsen do uh, down in Atlanta. So uh, all four of those guys, it's definitely world, uh, uh, MVP worthy. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Will Smith because it was starting to look grim for him for a few weeks there, mm-hmm. but he's starting to come back to life. And over his last 15 games, he's got an on base in the high three hundreds. He's hitting close to 300 again in his last seven games. Uh, the stat line is hanging in there. OPS still over 800. He's got 18 home runs, 71 RBIs, which is a great season from a catcher. But I wanted to get this stat in there uh, before we move off topic. But Freddie Freeman, this was something I dug up, never had a war over seven, or he never reached a war of at least seven with the Atlanta Braves. Back-to-back seasons with the Dodgers now, he's had a war of at least seven. Man, I mean, it just says it it all. It it really does, uh, that he really is comfortable here. Uh, I know last year was kind of a tough start because when you leave a place that you spent so many years with thinking, here's the big thing, thinking you were going to be there for the rest of your career, 
it sends your mind into a different situation. Not to say that he didn't want to be a Dodger or anything like that, but I just don't, I, I, I don't think he anticipated it being as difficult as it was moving teams like that. But now that this, that year was behind him this year, he's been all, you know, all in certainly enhanced as a leader on this team with, you know, Justin Turner gone and some of the other, you know, key Dodgers over the last few years gone. Um, but he's been fantastic and I'm really glad to see him and, and Mookie putting up these, these MVP seasons because it reinforces why you give those types of guys, the type of long-term contracts that Andrew Friedman did, because not everyone who gets these 11, 12 year contracts worth 330 or $380 million, or even a guy like Otani about to come up on half a billion, they're not always worth it. And it doesn't always pay out that like that, but these two guys, not only have, has it worked out, they're almost starting to look like bargains, Freddie in particular. So I'm glad you brought up that stat because I think if he were to be a free agent now, going into this winter with those kind of numbers, woo, woo. we'll get to some listener questions in just a few minutes. But Chris, I'm going to delegate it over, delegate it over to you for yes, some sir. topics or questions or anything that you feel like ranting about or setting the tone for. Oh, so now it now you want the Q and A to come from me. This is like an SNL skit right there, where you know you're you're the guy, and then you point like to it, a selected member audience of the audience. It doesn't even have to be a question. <laughs> you could just make a statement, and then I'll roll from there. <laughs> well, I you know what I will ask you a question. So we saw what Blake Snell did on Wednesday night. Stellar performance. Uh, might end up being the ERA champ this year. Uh, certainly an NL Cy Young finalist as well. Could be his last games in San Diego. Now, we know what the Otani situation is, but that torn UCL, likely Tommy John on the horizon, makes you think if the situation with Otani doesn't happen with the Dodgers because another team just outbids him, makes him an offer he can't refuse, Godfather style, should the Dodgers seriously consider Blake Snell with all the question marks, even though a good young staff, to kind of give them an established pitcher at the front line going into next year. What are your thoughts on that? NFL football is back. We have NBA just a month away. There is a lot of concerts that just got announced. I mean, Olivia Rodrigo is going out on a massive tour. Tick pick is what I'm referring to as the go-to place to get the best tickets out on the market. No service fees at checkout. Download the tick pick app today. Search all these events. There's just a few Dodgers games left. You got to go see your boys in blue play as they clinch that number two seed. Postseason tickets will be available very soon as well. And I can promise you that TickPick will have the best prices out there. If you're a Rams fan, a Chargers fan, or you live up in the Bay Area, go support your team because TickPick, I'm telling you, I'm guaranteeing you the best prices out there. So download the TickPick app today and search and see for yourself. I don't want to go anywhere near Blake Snell. Oh. And there's no denying how special of a season he's having. This would be his second Cy Young. It's pretty much shaping up to be that way. Um, this stat is pretty incredible as well. Over his last 20 starts, Blake Snell has a 131 ERA with a 12 and a half K through nine strikeout ratio. So here's the facts, though. Going to win a second Cy Young, most likely, barring a a Blake Snell or Padres blow up. Where does that put his market value? We're probably talking about because he's a Scott Boris client 
We've also lost Urias now. That would have been, you know, two players going out there, kind of splitting up things up. Now all the Sharks are swimming to one player. This mm-hmm. is really the best, well, American starting pitching option on the market. You're probably talking about at least six years for a guy who's, I think, 30, 29. 30 million annual at least. So you're probably looking at, if I had to guess, a six-year, $180 million contract. Now, if you're Do- if you're the Dodgers, does that deter you? Probably not. But is that smart spending? I don't think so. And a couple factors are, I think this peak of Blake Snell has already passed, so anything you're getting from him now is on the downside of his career. I mean, this screams to me, Patrick Corbin all over again. Usually lefties, especially of a profile of Blake Snell, who they've had a lot of issues in the past. I mean, this is maybe contract year magic, but I mean, let's look at the last couple of years of Blake Snell. He really struggled to throw five to six innings consistently. He had a lot of command issues. I feel like that velocity is going to start to decline at any year now. Um, He also seems like he's vulnerable to some injuries. So if I'm the Dodgers, I think I'm going to stay away. This is more out of paranoia, not so much a knock on Blake Snell himself, but I think there are better options out there. But before I go into that realm, um, you may you may speak, sir. Hmm. Uh, you're probably right. The safe route is to stare clear from him. But at the same point in time, when you're looking at this Dodger staff, we don't know. This could be it for Kershaw. I don't think it is, but it could be. We don't know that, right? Lynn's got an 18-year option, and depending on how the season finishes up and how he does in the playoffs, I could see them exercising that. Uh, but the, but then again, if he implodes, then I could see them declining that and using that 18 million to you know go go elsewhere to find a starting pitcher. What I like about Snell is, like you said, 29-30 for a guy that isn't predicated on just throwing heat. He mixes his pitches well. He can get you five to six really solid innings, even not as worse. The issue with Snell has never been stuff. It's been efficiency. When he's walking guys and he's got 100 pitches by the fifth inning, that's okay. That's understood. But I think six years, 180, I could live with that. I really can. Snell, as an established frontline guy who's at his peak, but can still give you two to three more peak caliber years, combined with Bueller, that eases his transition back to that ace type role. You got Bobby Miller now, arguably as your three. And then you've got, you know, we'll see about Dustin May, but probably going into next year, Pepio is your four. And then maybe Kershaw is your five right around there. I mean, assuming Did you he say wants Dustin to come May, Dustin May later in the year, later in the year. I can't, I, I, I can't even count on him. At okay. This point. Well, be that as it may. And then of course you got, you know, you'll have Emma Chien and, and who knows, maybe you could pick up. I don't know. I mean, talk about the scrap heap. Don't be surprised if Lucas Giolito is part of that scrap heap because you just, he's had a horrendous yeah, year. You just, you just read my mind. Holy crap. So yeah. this is where I'm going because I feel like the Dodgers. So that's, off- that's where I wanted to say about Snell, but go ahead. Yeah. Dodgers are going to need to sign at least three starting pitchers this off season. And I'll tell you why. Kersh- if you if Kershaw is a free agent, so if you're bringing him back, that's one. So now you're talking about two guys outside oh. of the organization. Okay, my bad, my bad. I thought you said three, including Kershaw. I, no. I three. Okay, so okay, got it. So Kershaw's part of the to, three. You're gonna give Kershaw a spot, most likely, assuming everything's okay there. I think Lance Lynn will get declined. Not saying it's over for Lance Lynn, 
but I don't think he's an $18 million pitcher just based off the season he's having. You can decline him, bring him back, probably on $13 million, what Noah Syndergaard got a year ago. That saves you like $5 million right there. But that, that's not a guy I'm talking about anyways. I agree. Lucas Giolito, this is more offseason discussion. He feels like a great reclamation project for the Dodgers. I mm-hmm. mean, he's still 30-31. This is a bad time for him to go into the offseason after this abysmal second half he's had. I feel like it's probably in his best interest to sign a one-year deal, go to the prior lab, have another breakout campaign, test the free agent waters a year later from into 2025, I guess, kind of like a la Andrew Heaney, and then get the bag. And then, so my main target, though, I'm kind of all in on this guy because I think he is going to be a legitimate pitcher. Uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Just that, you know, with Japanese pitchers, you never really know what you're going to get. But this guy seems legit. He's got, like, all 30 teams scouting him. He just threw a no-hitter the other day. I just saw what Kodai Senga did as a rookie with the Mets, and that's a bad situation. He's been one of the few bright spots. Yeah. You know, I kind of wish the Dodgers were more aggressive on Senga because he was cheap at the end of the day. I think they only had to pay him like fifteen million annually. So, I love the I love the idea of getting Yamamoto. So th- those are three. It's you know probably bring back Kershaw, a reclamation guy, and then the bona fide whether it's Snell or Yamamoto. I don't think they would chase after like an Aaron Nola type, but that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Nola, uh, Sonny Gray is out there. I've always liked him and he, his last few years, he was an all-star this year in Minnesota, had a really nice year. I minus the Yankee years. I thought in Cincinnati, he started finding himself again and that's kind of carried over in Minnesota and some of the other spots he's been at. Uh, but yeah, no, I know. I think Giolito would be a great reclamation project. Uh, you know, it would it'd be a chance for him to stay in Southern California. And at this point, it's like Matt Weiss couldn't help you out. So the issue wasn't Chicago. Uh, and Carl Willis, a, a well-renowned, a well-respected pitching coach under Terry Francona now over the last five years in Cleveland. This is a second stint with, with the uh, Guardians or formerly known as the Indians. Uh, and if he can't help you, then yeah, you, your last hope is Mark Pryor at this point. So, you know, we'll see. I think this, this could be a good one, one, one plus one, meaning one year guaranteed, maybe a player option for 2025 for Giolito. So I agree with what you're saying. I, I think the only other guy I would add in there um, as far as free agents go would be Sonny Gray. I just, I, I'm very intrigued by him and still kind of a, I think he's got some left in the tank and you put him in a situation like this with the Dodgers, once again, an established pitcher to go along with the young core. I, I think that would be a good look for the Dodgers, but yeah, Yamamoto, I know I've heard some things about him. A lot of teams are going to be going after him. We know how the Dodgers are with uh, Asian pitchers, you know, through the years, Kenta Maeda, uh, you know, trading for you, Darvish, Hunjin Ryu. Uh, and then of course the great, the tornado himself, the great Hideo Nomo back in 95. So that's always been a, a big part of their organization is going after, uh, you know, going after Asian uh, pitchers. And they've all pretty much panned out for the most part. Hiroki yeah. Kuroda, Takashi yeah. Saito. Yes. Forgot about Saito. Of course. It's time. It's time to add add some uh, global phenoms back into the Dodgers rotation. Let's get to some questions. And then Chris, if you have any other topics, love to hear more from you. First one comes, comes on X. I think this is the first time question from this person. Dodger fan. Always. I like the username. Are we stuck with Alex in the postseason? 
I think we only have one Alex, and that would be Alex Vesia. Mm. Um, I actually do think Alex Vesia, he is kind of at the end of the guys that would qualify, but all things considered right now, I think Alex Vesia probably will find himself in the Dodgers postseason bullpen. The big thing with Vesia, though, is do we trust him in high leverage situations? That I'm not entirely sure. And that's part of the big fall tryouts right now. So hopefully the Dodgers can get in some tightly contested games, throw Vessi out there, and we can kind of see what he's got because he has had a really good second half. Chris mentioned it earlier after being recalled from AAA. But the caveat is a lot of those outings weren't in high leverage. Yeah, uh, you could really count on one hand how many high leverage situations he's been in because it was a confidence issue. He was blowing every situation he was in, whether they were up a few runs, down a few runs, either a game, you know, they, they, they blew the game or they let the game get away from them. And it was usually on his watch going back to April and, and some of May to the point where he was the, the least reliable reliever in there. I don't think you're going to get the 21 or 22 version of Alex Vesia, but as a guy who, who, you know, for an extra left-hander, and I think matchups are going to dictate this a lot, Kev. Um, if there's a, if, if they're facing an opponent with a lot of, with, that are dominated by left-handed bats, then they may want to have that extra lefty in there. Because like I said, Yarbrough could be a spot starter. He could be a guy that gets you through at the end. He's going to be more of a bulk guy. Whereas Vessia is going to be more of, can you get these next two or three lefties out? Uh, so I, I could see him much more in a situational type role, but not in the super high leverage where it's like, oh, he's our eighth inning cl- uh, setup guy. I don't think you're going to see that aspect of him like you saw in recent years, specifically last year. Mm-hmm. But yes, he makes a postseason roster. You're, we are stuck with him. Dodge 16 underscore 12. Do you all see any correlation between uh, pitchers getting injured at a higher clip this year due to the pitch clock. Mm. It's funny. I literally, before we started recording this show, I literally got a text on that. And very well could be. I think the sample size is going to be small because this is the first year of it, right? So it's hard to judge things by, by the first year. Now, if there's something where the rules commission or, you know, talks it over with the players union and the players union has an issue, then, then it's like, okay, well, do we tack on an extra five seconds? The game times are down. I like the pitch clock. I think it's been very effective, but then again, there's been other things that have changed the game too. the expanded playoff format. Now there's not as many deals at the deadline, a lot less sellers. So, you know, what, is, what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, it's harder for teams to improve their teams on the trade market at a time that, you know what I'm saying? At yeah. a time where they actually need to get guys. So there are things that have changed. Now, when we're talking about the health of players, you got to take that more seriously. I get it. But at the beginning of the year, I would say yes. But where's the evidence of that right now? Who's actually gone down for the year? I know Scherzer's likely done, but who else that didn't have a pre-existing injury has gone down just because of the pitch clock. That's That's the million dollar question. Yeah. Yep. That's where I was going to go right now. I feel like every year it's a new scapegoat. Two years ago, Tyler glass. And I was blaming the sticky substance ban. He said that attributed to his elbow. And then all of a sudden there was conspiracies thrown out there. Oh, because they got rid of, you know, pitchers being able to use spider tack or rosin or whatever there was now a higher clip of injuries. I remember that being a thing um, in 2021, but here's the reality of the situation. 
maybe there have been a couple injuries due to the the pitch clock. Maybe it's thrown some guys timing off and it overworked their elbows, but these injuries have been going on for years now, long before this pitch clock. Walker Buehler had Tommy John surgery twice. There was no pitch clock. Yeah. Max Scherzer is old. He's been breaking down the last few years. This isn't because of the pitch clock. Jacob deGrom has been missing half the season every year for the last four or five years. You can't tell me that the pitch clock is the reason he underwent Tommy John surgery. He sure. was already injury prone. Justin Verlander, he had a Tommy John surgery. That was before the pitch clock. Mm-hmm. Um, Otani. 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 Right? This is, yep, he's another one. He was already, this is his second potentially. He's been dealing with injuries as well. I mean, Dustin May, he had his first Tommy John surgery, no pitch clock. So getting to the point here, I'm selling that notion. I think the facts are pitchers are throwing at a higher velocity in an angular motion that's not natural for your elbow. Maybe what's better for the longevity of the game is for somehow them to give the pitchers a higher advantage so that they don't feel the need to throw harder, though I don't feel like that's ever going to be a reality. But, I mean, me and Chris are old enough to remember where you were good enough to get by throwing 93 and you could go seven innings time after time, throw 30-plus starts a year, and you weren't on the injured list. So I think it's higher velocity, throwing more off-speed pitches, and probably also – you know, kids starting at a younger age, throwing harder than they should. Yeah, I, I think there's something to that. I think the game has changed. I mean, look at it this way. Let's just switch gears just for a sec. Go to the NBA. A lot more talent in the league now, right? But what else have we seen a lot more of? A lot of team, a lot more players getting injured. What's the reason for that? A lot of people say, well, you know, they're soft and they're this, they're that. Yeah, but also the game is played at a faster pace. There's that we are in this era of pace and space. So when you're playing that fast all the time, guess what? It's going to lead to injury. Same thing in the NFL. Guys are faster. The hits are harder and everything. So you could do all you want with all these rules. Oh, well, you can't hit high. You can't hit low. You can't do this. Well, you know, what do we do? You're never going to, uh, short of bubble wrapping these guys, you're never going to 100% uh, uh, eradicate the injuries. And to say that this is causing it or that's causing it, I think it's a bit of a cop-out. I think if even if that's the case, you knew this was coming down the pipeline, Tyler Glass now, or you, you knew this was coming down the pipeline. You have to make adjustments to it. Maybe at the beginning of the year, you know, the guys are struggling. But, I, I mean, I agree 100% with what you said. All of these guys that you mentioned that have now had season-ending injuries or injuries at the end of the year, They've all gotten it be, you know, either because of a history of injuries or how they throw and they're just, they're not able to fully recover. So I I don't think the pitch clock is a lot to do with it, but you're going to need two to three years of a sample size to really know for sure if if that's the case or not. Here's a sample size. Max Scherzer's a quitter. (laughs) Throw that out there. Every- and let me guess, it's Bruce Bochy's fault. It's Chris Young's fault. Uh, he had choir practice. He was late to the airport. Uh, he couldn't find his draws. Uh, he, the car ran out of gas. What's the excuse today, Max? Third year in a row, third different team, have let them down right in a pennant race. First year, we know that the Dodgers quit game right before game six, the night before, I think. Got last year, needed them the Mets needed them, needed him in a must win game against the Braves. He absolutely shit the bed. Guess what that led to? 
them playing a wild card series card where he had one of the worst performances ever. He gave up four or five home runs. He was bad. And then this year, <laughs> Rangers, big deadline acquisition, fatal blow. He's out for the year. And let me guess, he's going to find a way over the offseason, go on Talking Baseball podcast with your pal Ven Verlander, blah, blah, blah. It was, you know, the Texas heat, you know. I mean, it was just really too much for me to handle, you know, and the Rangers didn't do enough to cool us down in between innings. <laughs> yeah. Last question coming from Harmony Davis 29 on Instagram. Do you want Otani even if he can't pitch next year? Hmm. Million dollar question. I would say five hundred yes. million dollar question. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I would say yes if he's available and he could recover from this. You know, I mean, even if you have to kind of rebuild him a bit, and the Dodgers know how to bring guys back. Uh, that's the thing. They they really do. They 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 don't push it too hard. We've seen it with Bueller. Even with May, I think that was the one mistake that they might have made was bringing him back last season as a starter instead of a reliever. Yes. But outside of that, you really can't say that they've messed up a lot of these pitchers. So if he's going to sign anywhere and have a chance at starting pitching a game, Kev, Dodgers is a place to be. So I would say, yeah, but it is a concern. No question about it. I agree. Um, I still want Otani, but I do feel like he's probably lost at least a hundred million dollars to his overall contract value. If I had to guess, maybe he is able to earn it back with a bunch of incentives tied in. Mm -hmm. But I think these organizations, they're going to have to be smart with the deal they throw out Otani because it's going to be an unprecedented amount of money. And it is always a risk having a guy with potentially two Tommy John surgeries Kind of want to know more information about this elbow before I have a solidified answer. But Otani as the hitter, absolutely would love him in the lineup. Otani as the pitcher, that remains to be seen. That's why it's the $500 million question. Yes, sir. Uh, the last thing I want to cover real quick, and then Chris, if you had any other, other final thoughts or topics. We'll I actually do. And... One, one just came to mind, but go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So coming up next for the daughters they are off to seattle they have a three-game series against the mariners who are really fighting for their lives right now to make one of those wild card spots this is actually the dodgers last true playoff test i guess and i like these matchups bobby miller against george kirby mm. um go back to that in a second because i do have a rant on that clayton kershaw against bryce miller and Emmett Sheehan in maybe his last effort against Logan Gilbert. So mm. Julio Rodriguez is one of the hottest players on the planet right now. He's ha posting a 30 and 30 season, 30 home runs, 30 steals. Uh, they also have a number of just great hitters in that lineup as well. So this is going to be a true test for the Dodgers. And these pitchers that I just ran off, this is potentially something that the Dodgers would see in the playoffs. Three electric starters who are having great years. Um, Mariners kind of feel like they could be one of those sneaky teams that just gets a miracle run and makes the World Series. Mm. Don't know yet because they're the Seattle Mariners. But I got to lay it out there on George Kirby because he deserved all the criticism that he got from all those veterans like Mark Mulder. Um, Jared well, Weaver. Jared yeah, Weaver. He was a big one too. Shout out to to Jay Weave, man. I I I'm not an Angels fan, but I always respected him. And when he's when he clapped back at Kirby, I was like, man, you got Weaver, one of the nicest guys out here, clapping back at you. You must have really screwed up. But uh, yeah, no. Who who else got at him? Sorry. 
Um, I can't I can't remember if Jeff Passon said anything, but I think those were the two most outspoken. I'm sure there were more on MLB Network and stuff that I just missed. But anyways, the point is, after the game, George Kirby he came off as a crybaby. I mean, this is Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Clippers status right here, where he in the post game said, I wish I wasn't out there for the seventh, to be honest. I was at 90 pitches and I didn't think I needed to go anymore. George Kirby, after allowing a game tying home run, that is just some small minded cupcake, weak, Gen Z, super soft, safe space. I have a box over my head crybaby stuff right there from George Kirby. It's one thing to have those conversations behind closed door with your manager, but to throw, this is the second idiot Mariner too. You had Kellenic who kicked the wall or whatever and out, out for the season. I got George Kirby who's throwing his manager under the bus. Mm. I don't like that at all. And I'm not trying to have some boomer mentality here where you know, maybe he's right. Maybe the 90 pitches was too much and he was out of gas. But for me, this is more from the teammate aspect where you got to be a team player. If there's something bothering you, you don't say it out in the public. You don't make your teammates, your manager look bad. These are much. I know that he ended up recanting it and apologized after the fact, but you got to have a better mindset in the heat of the moment. And to throw your manager under a bus like that is just not cool. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you have to take responsibility for those outings, no matter, you know, you could let the media and the fans judge if it was the right decision to take you out or keep you in. I mean, believe me, uh, Kev, you're on Twitter like I am. We see how many, how often does Dave Roberts get crushed for, you know, just the other night, leaving Gavin Sonin in, in that sixth inning. And that kind of, you know, allowed the wheels to, to come off. But you have to be careful what you say, like, oh, I felt I was done. No, no, dude. Like you saw Lance Lynn the other night. And 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 I if Dodger fans have an issue with Lance Lynn, the one thing you can't question is that dude's heart. Uh 100 pitches. Granted, he had a five-run lead to go up back out to. He went out there and he got those final three outs without really any sort of issue. So that's what he takes pride in. That there used to be a time when these starters took pride in going the distance, going seven, eight, sometimes nine innings. Now it's a very rare occasion. And George Kirby, like you said, shows what people hate. Even people our age, we're young guys, we're young-ish guys, uh, uh, Kev. Mm -hmm. What people hate about today's generation of, of pro athletes, soft-minded, soft-bodied, and very passive-aggressive. And don't really take a ton of accountability for things that they say or do or not do in this case uh, with George Kirby. And, and I think that's what really sticks in people's craw. There's this in, in sense of entitlement. And it, that rubs a lot of, you know, especially in, even in a town like Seattle, blue-collar people out there that love the Mariners, I'm sure, just like, you know, uh, I mean, it's a great sports town, always has been. That You got to really watch what you say on that. And to me, that's being tone deaf. Big name that I left out who called him out was Roger Clemens, who said, this is oh. tough to hear, would not fly in the old days. You know what? Say what you, Bill, about the rocket. Don't ever question that dude's competitive nature. That dude was a freaking pit bull when he was out there. Rocket Roger Clemens. Say what you want. I know steroid allegations, but what he did in Boston and Toronto alone, man, oh, man, that dude was was fierce. So, yeah, I, I definitely take what he says seriously. Um. I did have one last thing. This is kind of funny. 
You're a major league fan, right? Movie, ma- major league, major league two, Kev. That's my number one baseball movie. I had a scenario in my head. What if a show like first take or undisputed was actually airing during those years. And like the Indi- the Cleveland Indians were like a real team. Like, you know, I can mm-hmm. imagine Molly asking someone like Stephen A. Smith. So Stephen A, 60 and 61, even though a tough loss at the hands of, of the Yankees, what do you think about the job that the Indians have done this year? Well, there's no question about it. This team has actually surpassed expectations. First of all, shout out to the general manager, Charlie Donovan, finding guys like Willie Mays Hayes and Pedro Serrano and getting the most out of Eddie Harris and, and, and Jake Taylor. But really, the key to this season has been Rick the Wild Thing Vaughn. Yes, the command is suspect at times. All he needed was a pair of glasses, everybody, and he was able to get himself back on track. But you cannot give this team credit without looking at their manager, the great Lou Brown. That is an old school baseball man right there, the type of man you want to go and have a beer with at the bar after the game. And I really think the Indians are on the way of really surprising some people come playoff time. What what say you, Kevin? I really like the imagination that you have right here, Chris. But here's why this is a true dream, because you're thinking that these guys are even giving baseball a moment of a moment to begin with. Sure. Yeah. When does Stephen A. Smith ever talk baseball? He's got to have his buddy Mad Dog Russo come on and then they'll talk a little Yankees and <laughs> or a Tawny for yeah, a second. For sure. uh, Skip Bayless, undisputed. I can't even think about the last time he's even brought up baseball. They just, they find a way, you know, it's football, then basketball, then football, then basketball. But you understand the, you understand the concept though, you know, on that ES- would have been on ESPN, you know, cause ESPN just like LA, they would do think, it. Yeah, exactly. ESPN LA, you, you, you know, Mason and Ireland here. Yeah, no, they, they would probably do something uh, like that, but no, I, I just think it would be cool. Just like you see Max Kellerman and, uh, and Stephen A. Smith, they, they were in the Creed movies. Uh, you know, I, I just think it's a, it's a cool concept to think about. I don't know. I just thought it was, you know, it's late in the season. I just thought I'd throw that out there. I thought it'd be funny. I appreciate the creativity there. Appreciate. <laughs> Great question. Love where your head's at. And two of them actually are another good movie quote. Vince Vaughn from wedding crashers. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. What I don't is- think Lou, I don't think Lou Brown would have liked a guy like Stephen A. Smith. He would have really wanted to give him a, you know, shit burger to eat (laughs) all right chris my final question for you is give me something else pop culture related that you have a take on oh man pop culture related um like current or just in general I i don't care okay here's a good take jack parkman another major league reference jack parkman one of the greatest hitting catchers in the history of fictional baseball movies. And one of the great sports villains, underrated sports villains in, in, in sports movie history. So yeah, shout out to David Keith did a great job uh, playing him in, in major league two. So sorry, had major league on the mind. Yeah. (laughs) Who is the best fictional baseball character ever? For me, I'm thinking, you know, it wasn't the best movie. I just want to make sure I have his name right because it's been a minute. But and Vince Scully was the broadcaster in this movie. So that was maybe one of the only uh, for love of the game is the movie you're thinking. Billy, Billy Chappell. Oh, my gosh. Hall of Famer, man. Led the 84 Tigers to a fictional World Series championship. (laughs) 
he might be he might be the cream of the crop. Um, the other one potentially is the natural, but again, or I shouldn't I shouldn't say again, <sighs> but but the issue Roy with Hobbs, that one is it's yeah. with Roy Hobbs is I don't know the level of competition he was playing against. Sure, kind of was like a, a and what's the, not an MLB league, but you know like a expedition an expedition league or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I, I would call it like a like a like a Cape League or Independent yeah. League or something independent, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. No, that, that's a good one. I was never a big fan of The Natural. Um, I liked more of the '90s movies, Little Big League, Rookie of the Year, Major League, of course. Uh, for love of the game, that's a good one. Billy Chapel. You know, in theory, Billy Chapel would have been teammates with Gibby on that '84 uh, championship with uh, with the Detroit Tigers. They, I think, they beat the Padres that year. Steve Garvey's San Diego Padres. So if that was real life, he would have been on that team. Um, I want to say the best one. Jack Parkman is up there. But also, too, don't sleep on what Jake Taylor. Jake Taylor was one of the Jake best Taylor. in baseball from Major League on the Cleveland Indians. Rene Russo even said, you know, he was one of the best in baseball before he had problems with his knees, you know? And even Jake called himself a world-class athlete. So I think Jake in his prime was one of the great overall baseball players. I can't sleep on Rick Vaughn. And also Lou Collins from Little Big League. Solid all around. I mean, that was like a poor man's Freddie Freeman right there. Lou Collins played by the great Tim Busfield. It's a great take. Jake Taylor, that guy had a lot of heart. Yeah. And Parkman was just a douche, but you can't deny the talent. I mean, the guy hit 45 home runs a year as a catcher. Keep that in mind. I mean, that's Piazza stuff right there, bro. Say, yeah. <laughs> well, that is Mike Piazza. All right, Chris, this is time to wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We are uh, presented by Fansided and TickPick. Um, make sure to subscribe to the Incline Dodgers podcast wherever you get your podcast and follow us on social media. Our handles are in the description below. Chris Camello, any final thoughts as you as we run this show out? Well, Kev, I just want to say thank you again for having me on. You do a fantastic job on the Incline. You, Jake, and David, always it's always a pleasure to, to be on. So I'm always excited when you ask me. This is a treat. So f- please follow me at Chris underscore Camello on Twitter, CCamello1 on Instagram. Check out uh, my recent Substack article on IBWAA. That's Internet Baseball Writers Association of America. <laughs> Try saying that five times fast. <laughs> All right. We'll be back in a few days talking more Dodgers as we get ready and ramp up for the postseason. This is the best time of the year. You got NFL. Uh, we're just missing basketball, but baseball, mm. fall classic. For me, this is my favorite time of the year. Yes, sir. College right. football, too. Go SC. <laughs> All right, everyone. Have a great week. Go Dodgers. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.